0: Tonight's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. And as we come before your word this evening, would you open our eyes, that they are, as Paul says to the church in Ephesus, we pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we might know the hope to which we have been called. Lord, would you open our eyes to see you at work in our lives more and more, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Now, um, if you're observant uh, amongst us, you will note that the subject for this evening's Living Free Talk has changed from the schedule. Uh, On the schedule, it said authority, brackets we are in uh, and next week it said uh, uh, victory disappointment and faith uh, so as you will see I have combined these two titles into one and that's because I've combined these two talks into one for those of you who are concerned that we're going to be here for four hours please don't worry uh, I'll promise to be done in two uh, no it's a joke promise promise less much less than that and um, As I've said, as I've gone through this teaching, uh, this teaching is continually developing uh, as Jonathan and I work on it uh, together, although obviously this term it's been mostly me uh, as he's on sabbatical. Um, and just as I prepared for this evening, I really sense that actually these uh, four subjects, authority, uh, victory, disappointment and faith, fitted really well uh, together. And in fact, we don't need an additional week next week to complete uh, the Living Free material. So next week, uh, we're going to have something slightly different. Uh, I'm going to preach from 1 John 4 on loving one another, a sermon that you will hear again if you come in the morning the following week when we have no evening service here. Uh, so uh, just, To forewarn you of that. So, this is the last of the living free uh, teaching. Uh, and something that I hope I've made clear, but perhaps haven't, is that all of this teaching is intended as an introduction to the theology and the understanding that we see uh, at work. At no point uh, do I intend to give you every piece of uh, understanding and knowledge about each of the seven subjects that we've explored together. So for example, last week we talked about hearing God's voice. Somebody rightly came up to me at the end and said, yes, Adam, I agree with what you you said, but what about this? What about this? And what about this? The person was absolutely right. Uh, all of the things that they uh, talked to me about, I, uh, was in, I was happy to agree with. However, we would have been here for several weeks had I have taught all of the things that we, uh, we could teach about hearing God's voice. In fact, if I had my way, we'd probably have a course for each of the seven th- sessions um, uh, to go into more detail uh, about them. Hopefully, uh, these sessions have given you an understanding and a taste uh, for some of these things uh, and perhaps have sparked some interest uh, or some curiosity to explore them further. Uh, If you want to explore any particular subject in more detail, send me an email or ask me at the end of a service. I can point you in the direction of things to read, people to listen to, uh, and uh, things to study further to find out more. We do run, particularly Hearing God's Voice, we run further uh, classes, teaching, whatever it is, on hearing God's voice in this church. Uh, Look out for those as well. Come along to the next Living Free course, which will be starting on Thursdays in uh, September. I'm planning to have each session time for questions uh, in the, in the, on the next course and so if you've got particular questions about things that would be a really good place to explore that but also ask me questions whenever you want. I'm really happy uh, to meet with and uh, to explore that further. Now, over the last seven weeks, six, seven weeks, we've explored a number of different subjects, all of which go back to this passage uh, which Sean has just read for us. I've said before, this is probably my most favourite piece of scripture. It is my passion and my desire for the church that our eyes would be opened to see the hope to which we have been called, the glorious inheritance in the saints, and the power that is available through Christ Jesus. The same power That raised Christ from the dead is available to us. That is my hope and dream for the church. If I were to write a manifesto for the church, this possibly would come into come into it, certainly, that we would have our eyes opened to see what power there is available to us. And so over the last few weeks we thought about the two realms and the fact that there's so much more going on around us than we perhaps can see. We thought about God's original design for creation and for authority and how rebellion and strongholds come against those things and how we can break down both of those. And last week, as I say, we were thinking particularly about hearing God's voice more. This evening I want us to think a little more about being in authority as well as the fact that we are under authority. When Stuart spoke about three weeks ago, he spoke particularly about the fact that we are under authority rather than in authority. However, you cannot do one without the other. It is impossible to think about the fact that we are in authority unless we understand where that authority comes from. Now, if we don't understand authority well enough, we'll find ourselves being tripped up as we try to do things. We'll find ourselves uh, struggling, uh, particularly. Now, there are a number of places in Scripture where earthly authority is shown and rebellion to that earthly authority is also shown. I've put one of the examples here on page two uh, from Numbers 12. Uh, There are plenty of others. Uh, For those who, uh, just as a bit of background, Moses uh, is the younger sibling of both Miriam and Aaron. And yet God has placed Moses in authority over Miriam and Aaron. And we see at the beginning of chapter 12, uh, this relationship has started uh, to go a little bit sour. It says here, Miriam and Mary began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Here, Miriam and Aaron are questioning the authority that God has given to Moses uh, here in this part of Scripture. And it says, the Lord heard this. As we read on, I've put the Scripture there. It's not my intention to read it all. You can read it at your will if you like. As we read on... Um, we find that Miriam uh, suffers ill health as a result of the rebellion that she has. Now, not all ill health, by a long stretch, has its roots in sin. Let me hear that. Let me say that again. Not all ill health has its roots in sin by a long stretch. In fact, most likely, it's the opposite. However, some ill health will have its roots in sin. We see that in Scripture. Here is an example of seeing that in Scripture. And yet what we also see in Scripture here is Moses exercising his authority over Miriam and Aaron uh, wonderfully. Because despite the fact that Miriam and Aaron have been rebellious towards him in their hearts, Moses uses his protection of one of, his, one of the elements of authority to pray for Miriam. We see that towards the, the bottom of the page. Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. God prays for her to be healed and, uh, sorry, Moses prays for her to be healed and God heals her. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why rebellion come into play. I suspect the reason why Miriam and Aaron have rebellion at work here is because they have got a misunderstanding between value and function. This is one of the things Stuart didn't mention when he spoke a couple of weeks ago and I want to just be clear about this. We get all tied up in our minds about value when we come to think about authority when it is a conversation about function. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses all have equal value in God's eyes. Everybody here has equal value in God's eyes. I have a fridge magnet at home that says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Um, Whilst I find that fun, it's not true. I'm not his favorite. I am equally valuable to God as you are to him however there are people who have different functions within his church uh, and have uh, authority over us who we need to uh, and we need to understand that authority people in the world who have authority over us now let me be very clear, as with last week, uh, if, if you hear a now word of God that is against the always word of God, uh, you need to not uh, take too much attention to it. No, a now word of God can never be at odds with the always word of God. If someone who is in authority over you asks you to do something which is against the always word of God, uh, you need to not do that and find a way in order to, uh, to politely decline from doing that, not allowing rebellion to seep into your heart, of course, uh, but not to do things that the Lord would have you not do. However, authority is good. It has good purposes. I've written some of the purposes of authority here. The first and foremost in my mind is that the authority is to protect us. Um, If I were to give Esme uh, a little umbrella Uh, in the rain that we've had over these last few weeks her protection from the rain would be quite small if I were to give Helen a larger umbrella and get her to stand over Esme she'd have more protection if Luke then had another umbrella uh, and if then I came in with a larger umbrella and then if maybe an archdeacon and a bishop and an archbishop and perhaps the queen and maybe uh, 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 and maybe even God came in with an even larger umbrella then the protection that Esme has from, that, from those umbrellas is quite significant. Protection is one of the key functions and values and purposes of authority. Authority is also there in, in, God's, in God's eyes, in the good purposes of authority, to build up the church and to release the church. Uh, so often my colleagues that run churches release people in their church to fill the gaps on their rotor rather than release them into the gifting areas that God has placed on their life. How easy it is for us to feel released into gaps. To go, oh, I'll, I've got some spare time. I'll do that. I'm so pleased that in this church, that when we have gaps in our rota, we pray and say, Lord, who are you calling into those roles? Rather than going, who has got time to do this? We look for the right people, the people God is calling into things. So, purpose of authority to lead, to, to build up, and to release. Of course, uh, there is a purpose of authority to lead as well. And there's a purpose of authority to pray for those who are under our authority. Uh, I've had this question. I meant to change this passage before I printed the worksheet, so I apologise for a a better one uh, that would make this point better. Um, This James 5 passage under the release of spirit, supernatural anointing. James 5 verses 14 and 15 is: Anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Just to clarify, what James is not saying is that if someone is ill, you have to. You have to every single time get the leaders of the church to pray for them and the only leaders of the church are able uh, to pray. In this particular context, that was uh, important and it is important for leaders of churches to pray for those who are in their, who are in their churches. Of course it is. Uh, it is not only them who can, uh, can do that. Jesus understood authority. If you remember from Stuart's talk about four weeks ago, he talked about the centurion. Who said, I myself am a man under authority. And the reason why the Roman soldiers do what the centurion asks him to is because his authority goes all the way back to rain. In the same way, any authority that we have, and all the authority that we have, goes back to God. We can't do anything without God's authority. Jesus understood this perfectly. He says in John 5, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only what I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And in John 7, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Jesus understands that his authority comes from God. It is not his in his own right, it comes from God, although obviously Jesus was God. But in this, in this instance, when Jesus was exercising his authority, he was doing so under God's authority, listening to him. And this pattern of understanding God's authority in our life goes on in Scripture through into the apostles. Uh, one of the best stories that illustrate this we find in Acts 3 with Peter healing at the beautiful gate. I put it there at the top of what I think is page uh, 4 for you. Here, there is a man, it says, that is every day brought to the beautiful gate at the temple. And he, he asked Peter to beg. And Peter, he asked Peter for money. And Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, If we just read that passage on its own, we'd go, oh, Peter's the one that's healed him there. It's Peter's authority over the sickness that has cured this man. But Peter very clearly, a little later in Acts 3, says, Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see any authority that we have to heal comes from God and so we need to therefore be in relationship with God which is why hearing God speak is crucial uh, to our authority and our understanding of it now we have victory over sin death Satan flesh the world sickness and demons and the created order Again, I could probably write a whole sermon series on each one of those, certainly a sermon on each one of those. I just want to focus on healing for this evening uh, because it's the one that most people uh, have questions about. It's the one that most people uh, perhaps know something a little bit about. All of the victory that we have over these comes out of our relationship with God. Now, I just want us to think about this passage that we've got at the top of the page from Acts 3 uh, again. Uh, This is a conversation I've had with Jonathan a number of times, uh, and it's a speculative conversation that we've had. You may have heard him suggest this before. Things that we know for certain from this passage and from elsewhere in Scripture. The things that we know for certain are that it says that this man had been lame from birth and was carried to the gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So this man who had been lame from birth had been carried to the beautiful gate every day to beg from those going into the temple. That says that in scripture. We also know elsewhere in scripture that Jesus attended the temple, went to the temple a number of times. Think of the t- um, turning the tables, all sorts of other t- examples of Jesus attending the temple. The beautiful gate was the most popular gate for entry into the temple. Now, we don't know for certain, but we can assume that Jesus will have walked through the beautiful gate at some point. Again, we don't know for certain, but it may be that Jesus walked past this lame beggar uh, on his way into the temple. If that is the case, why did Jesus not heal this man? Now, of course... It may be that the the man was never there when Jesus entered the temple. It may have been coincidentally they just never saw each other. If, If, however, Jesus did walk past this man and didn't heal him, I think the answer lies in what we just talked about on the previous page. By myself, I can do nothing, says Jesus. I judge only what I hear and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. It could be that Jesus walked past this person and said to the Lord, do you want me to heal him? And the Lord said, no, I have a greater purpose for his healing. As a result of Peter healing him in Acts 3, thousands of Christians uh, were brought birthed. Now, of course, it may not be the case. I want to make that absolutely clear. It may not be the case, but it could be. And what I'm not inferring from Scripture is that Jesus only operated out of the authority that he had from the Father. Now, unless you think you're greater than Jesus, and if you do, prayer ministry is available at the end, if you think you are greater than Jesus, you can only operate out of the authority that you have from God. That means that if somebody comes to you and asks you to pray for them to be healed, the first thing you must do is say, Lord, do you want, me to, heal? Do you want to heal this person today? If you hear the Lord say yes, then you should respond as Peter does and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. If you hear the Lord say no, or if you hear nothing, then you can still pray for that person. It's not to diminish our prayer lives, but you can't command that healing because you're not under God's authority. You'll only be under God's authority if you hear him tell you to heal that person. Does that make sense? And so you can still pray for that person, as I say. We see that at the bottom of Numbers 12. It's one of the reasons I put it there. Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. It's a petitionary prayer, an intercessory, intercessory prayer. It's praying on behalf of that person to God. It doesn't diminish our prayer life. It's just the way that we pray. I've seen so much damage done by people thinking, oh, well, I've got authority. I'll just go off on my own and just pray, be healed in the name of Jesus. And they're not seeing that person healed and wondering why. Perhaps it's because they haven't taken the time to stop and to listen to God and to do as Jesus does, which is to only do what we see the Father doing. Now, of course, there are other times that we pray for people to be healed. There are other times that we pray for other things and we don't see God at work. Why is this? Now about five or six years ago, a good friend of mine, Andrew, uh, was running the Edinburgh Half Marathon. He was 33 at the time, fitter than I am, able to run marathons and half marathons quite easily, and he collapsed at the end of it. Uh, He'd had a heart attack, uh, and it took a little while for the emergency services to get to him, and by the time they arrived, he'd slipped into a coma. His fiancé text me and asked me to, to pray for him and to gather some people to pray for him. I worked for a large church at the time on part of a, a reasonably large staff team. And I know that at least 100 people had committed to praying for him every day. We ran, we ran a number of prayer gatherings where people were praying for his healing. And yet 10 days later, Andrew died. Each and every day, stories like that and far worse beside are repeated. We see them in scripture. Unsuspecting worshippers crushed to death as they worship. Why is it that these things happen? Well, uh, the easy answer is I don't know. Uh, There are a number of reasons why it might be. It might be uh, because... We live in this now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. We talked about this last week when we talked about Pentecost. It says in Revelation that Jesus will return. And at that point, it says this, Revelation 21 verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. We can infer from that that until he returns, there will be tears, there will be death, Mourning, crying, pain, for the old order of things has not yet passed away. Now, there may well be other reasons why uh, uh, why this happens. There is a spiritual war going on in the spiritual realms. We've talked about this. We wouldn't need spiritual armor if we weren't in a battle. And whilst the victory is certain... The evil one remains a prince of this world, able to influence it from time to time. Now, of course, we have some authority over that, and God will be the final victor. But in the meantime, there will be casualties of that war. I'm also not one of these charismatics, one of these charismatics, that's a terrible phrase. I'm not a charismatic who believes that there is a demon under every single bush, causing every single wrong thing that happens to happen. If I were not wearing any shoes, as I normally do were to kick that chair, now it would hurt my foot. It would not be because of a demon that my foot was hurting. It would be because of my own stupidity uh, that my foot was hurting. There are sometimes things that happen because they happen because we do things that we shouldn't do or because it's just the world that we live in. Sickness and ill health are all part of the fall and they will be redeemed when Jesus returns. Until that day, it will happen. The key in this is to have faith in the disappointments that we see. And um, two examples of this, John Wimber, I may have said this previously in the teaching, John Wimber, a famous uh, a preacher and leader, had a famous pre- healing ministry, get the right word out, healing ministry, prayed for thousands of people and saw them healed. He prayed for over a thousand people to be healed before he saw the first person healed. I wonder if you ask yourself, honestly, have you prayed for a thousand people to be healed? What the answer would be. We need to remain faithful through the disappointments that we see. I've also talked about my own uh, calling. God has particularly placed a gifting in me in the prophetic, which I've talked about a number of times, and I've talked about some of the stories that I've had success in uh, and some of the things, the times when I've heard God speak, and it's been uh, some good results have come out of it. It happens that it's not always the case. Uh, About a week and a half ago, uh, members of our church did some treasure hunting. It's actually something that I do in my quiet times fairly regularly. Uh, I'll sit in my study chair and I'll say, Lord, will you show me somebody that you want me to go and pray for. Uh, on Tuesday, two weeks ago, I sat in my study press chair. I saw a picture of a lady in a red dress with a yellow handbag on the corner of one of the walks that I often go on. And so I walked out there. Uh, it was a nice day. There was a bench. And I sat there for an hour and a half. And not only did she not walk past me, on a normally very busy footpath, not one single person walked along that pathway at two o'clock in the afternoon. I eventually went home uh, feeling a bit uh, disappointed. Now, of course, if I'd have stayed there for two and a half hours, she may have walked past and I may have been able to talk to her. Or I may have misheard God on that occasion. No one who claims to hear God speak, who is able to hear God speak, uh, claims that they sit on the end of the big white telephone hearing God's voice perfectly. It's all about discernment and hearing him. I use this passage from Psalm 23. It's a really famous passage. It's a song that we often sing here uh, when I preach at funerals. I do so because it talks about um, the valley, the darkest valley. And the darkest valley can sometimes feel like those times when we see disappointment. When my friend Andrew died after 10 days of intensive prayer. Even on a lesser scale, an hour and a half of sat waiting for this lady who didn't turn up. But the, Lord's, the psalm says that we walk through the darkest valley. The darkest valley is not our destination. It's not the place that we need to remain. It's the point at which we walk through. We go through to the still waters and the, uh, the quiet pastures, the green pastures beyond, the quiet waters beyond. The Lord calls us to be active in our faith Walking through these difficult times, trusting the truth that the mountains melt like wax before the Lord of all the earth. If you're con- considering or thinking about faith in particular, Hebrews 11 is a fantastic passage uh, to read. Just verse one, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so the whole point of this Living Free course has been to help us to understand a little more that what God has in store for us and the authority that we have in him, that our eyes should be open to the incomparably great power that we have, that the treasure that he has for us. That we would recognize that we are in authority, that we have authority over sin, death, Satan, flesh, the world, sickness and demons, and the created order. We have that authority because we are in authority from God. And that when we don't see these things at work, we need to continue to walk through that darkest valley, knowing that God is a God who is faithful. I've um, put at the back of this worksheet, of this uh, uh, pass, this, whatever it is, handout, that's the word I was looking for, um, the passivity restoration worksheet from uh, Fulham. I repeat what I've said each time that you've looked at these. These are Fulham's uh, 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 restoration worksheets, not mine. They're a PDF. I cannot change them. And so whilst I might change some of the wording in them, uh, uh, I can't. And so please forgive uh, me if that's the case. Uh, You see something there that you slightly wonder about. Do talk to me about it. I have read through it. I'm relatively happy with it. Um, But there may be one or two things I would word differently Why did I put passivity there? What is passivity? Passivity is about us um, being passive, unsurprisingly. It's about us being passive to God at work in our lives. It's passive to God at work in the lives of those around us. It's about a lack of initiative. And it's a form of independence, We don't need God, we can do all of these things by ourselves. Not my intention to go through any of this worksheet this evening, but as I prayed this week, I really sensed uh, that this was the one to include for the final week. Our eyes will only be opened to the power that Christ has for us if we are not passive in our relationship with God if we are actively seeking him and longing for him to be at work in our lives more and more. If this week, as you read down it, uh, you recognise some of these things, I implore you to spend some time praying through uh, passivity and trying to realign yourself into being more active in God's kingdom. We're going to have a little bit of time of quiet now as, uh, as the band come back. What I'd love for you to do uh, before we stand is just to go back to the first page. One of the main reasons why I put this here is for this. On the first page, you'll see I've written week one, week two, week three, weeks four and five, week six, and then obviously this week is week seven, with the key scriptures that are for those uh, five or six or uh, seven weeks. What I'd like you to do in this next minute or two of silence is just to look down those passages again, those titles again, and see which one it is that you think you most struggle with, which one it is that you most need to be less passive and more active in, and then offer that to the Lord, and then I'll pray for us before we worship.